Hey everybody, this is Mike Costello with the Hunting Ain't Easy podcast, and I've got a special guest. I've got a non-hunter on the podcast today, um, buddy of mine that I went to high school with, and uh, basically the magic of social media, we've kind of kept in touch, and what's interesting is that he's a non-hunter, um, probably never will be a hunter. He's got a lot of other activities that are interests of his, but uh, we, we go into the topic of you know how his observation of my hunting pursuit, my scouting, you know, trail cam photos, and actual some of the, the kills harvest, you know, bringing the meat home, how that's all affected his kind of his perspective of, of hunting. And so it ties in with what I've been talking about a lot recently about how, you know, we will never have enough hunters in our community to win anything at the ballot box, win anything in the electoral process. We barely have enough of a voice in the commission um, process, but with non-hunter support, understanding, even advocacy and affirmation of hunting as good for humans, good for wildlife, good for conservation, we can lead the dialogue. We can kind of own that space again, which we don't own now. And so just... uh, I'd reach out to him and say, what's this all sound like to you? You know, what's it all, how's it all add up? And he gave me about an hour and a half of his time. And so really appreciate that. Um, Take a minute before you jump into the rest of the podcast, go over to howforwildlife.org and check out the Montana constitutional amendment legislation that we need to throw our voice behind. Again, across state lines, across different species, wherever you are as a hunter, Let's give Montana some support with messages to decision makers and electeds there to throw some support behind the idea of a constitutional amendment that supports an individual's right to hunt, fish, trap, really procure food for their personal use from public lands. So access and opportunity and quality wildlife management and conservation is at the core of that constitutional amendment for Montana. So go to howforwildlife.org. Drop your name in there, check out the action item, and um, send a message. It will be heard, it will be read, and it will have an impact. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hunting ain't easy. You can find me on Instagram. DM me there if you got some questions or comments. And always, I love those five-star reviews. Better yet is when you share this podcast with your friends and your community. So feel free to do the review thing uh, or do the share thing and let's broaden the base of people that are engaged and advocating for hunting rights and opportunity. Hey everybody, welcome to Hunting Ain't Easy. This is Mike Costello and it is late January. Uh, It's advocacy season and of course it's also hunt planning season and uh, you've heard a lot about both of those from me recently. Um, On the advocacy side, of course, I encourage you to go to howforwildlife.org and sign up, it's free, and it is absolutely the best, um, you know, kind of citizen hunter advocate portal uh, there is. It's, it's, it, we've got an action center at howl.org where you can message uh, decision makers, electeds, and commission members on relevant issues that have to do with uh, hunting rights, um, quality conservation with hunting at the center of it as a tool for conservation and wildlife management, and of course, um, hunting opportunity issues. So check out howforwildlife.org and become a participant in uh, advocating for your your rights and opportunities.
Um, going down a little different path today. Um, in the last several podcasts, you've probably heard me talk a lot about, you know, the non-hunter segment and really differentiating between non-hunters and anti-hunters, and acknowledging the fact that we as a community um, need to do better about talking to and talking with, and sharing our values and stories and and all of that with non-hunting folks, um, you know, friends, neighbors, colleagues. Um, former classmates, <laughs> um, you know, talk about what it is that hunting is to us and why we think it's, it's, uh, it's good. It's good for humans to do. Um, it's a good activity. Obviously not everybody has to do it, but it's, it's, it's beneficial for the individuals that participate, beneficial for conservation and wildlife at large. So today I've got on the podcast um, a buddy of mine, Rob, who actually we went to high school together. And so we go way back a few decades. Um, we grew up in uh, South Orange County, California. Uh, not quite surfer's paradise. We were a little bit inland, but you know our outdoor adventures were probably more, at least the ones that we shared um, were probably more uh, beach oriented um, and not so much wilderness and outdoor oriented. Uh, and at the time, I wasn't really even a hunter then. I did some backpacking and fly fishing, but I, I didn't hunt at all. I don't think Rob did either. Um, <laughs> and so I want to introduce Rob, a uh, classmate from South Orange County, and uh, just go ahead and give a quick introduction of what you've been doing uh, in the last, I don't know, 40 years or so, Rob, <laughs> and then we'll, we'll dive into the topic of the day. Um, hey, Mike, thanks for having me. I, um, you know, we, we go way back. We um, spent our critical years growing up in the, the 80s down in Southern California. Um, I moved up to Northern California about 25 years ago. I work in the financial services industry. It's I can't think of anything more uh, different than, <laughs> than hunting or any, anything like that. Um, you know, I did growing up, I did go camping with my family and hiking and I, I was um, in scouting for a number of years. Okay. But I never hunted, never yeah. really knew anyone that hunted. That's not part of my background, but it was, um, it was, it's been interesting though, just sort of the, the, the journey, kind of the evolution of, you know, I, I'm glad when we reconnected on Facebook years ago and, and kind, kind of seeing what your interests are and, and passions and things that you're, you know, getting into. And I, and I think just um, watching your evolution of hunting has been yeah. um, very interesting. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. It's um, I'm sure we reconnected on Facebook in social media, even before I started hunting. Cause I just took that up in, in 17. Um, so when you say Northern California, are you, you're in the Bay area, correct? I'm in the Bay area. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm urban. I'm in Oakland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you've been in the Bay area, like San Francisco, Oakland area. Um, and you do spend some time down the south coast in the Ventura area too. Yeah, I kind of split okay. my time back and forth. So it is it's, cool. it's, it's 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 beachy and it's urban. Yeah. So it's um but I do I I'm a longtime skier. I mean I go yeah, you know, I I've probably skied for fifty years. And... Nice. That's <laughs> that's that means you started about the time you start you learned to walk, which is cool. No, I saw you were up at Mammoth Mountain recently, which is um which is an amazing, amazing place, uh, you know, all year round, winter and summer. So that's very cool. Um, so you don't hunt now, never did. Um, I, 
when we were growing up, you know, high school, I don't think I knew anybody that hunted. It's just, it was interesting for me. Like, I didn't know you were in the scouts. I didn't know you had been in scouting. Um, it's, it's like in high school, we're so like what we share, uh, except for, I guess, with very close friends, what we share in a, in a community, even in a high school where you're spending most of your time with the same 60 people or so. Um, I don't know anybody that hunted and I don't know if anybody knew I even fished. Like if I went fishing, I don't know if anybody would have known that. So it's just, it's, it's interesting how siloed some of those activities can get. And there may be somebody in there that's like 10 feet away that does things that are unique and interesting, but we would have no idea. Exactly. That's what, that, that's one of the, I think the, the benefits of, of social media. Now, if you could mm -hmm. actually like learn these things that you just wouldn't know otherwise. Right. Yeah. Especially being, being, uh, apart and, and so separate. No, that's true. And, and, and so you've, you've listened to, I don't know, I've got like 30 episodes on the podcast. Have you, um, have you listened to all of them or most of them or what, where are you, where are you on say, the, the podcast listening spectrum? No, I would say I've listened to probably 90% of them. I think okay. so, like some of the ones where I think it's important when you are going to, um, you know, certain um, agency meetings and things like that, like those mm -hmm. ones, I don't necessarily make it through all of those. Sure. But I, but I think I, I especially like the ones when you're out in the field. I, I like the ones where you're talking about your planting, you're planning your hunt, your hunt, um, your hunt trips and things yeah. like that. And, and just um, it's, um, you know, part of it, it's like, it's, it's entertainment, but it's also educational. Right. Like, I feel like I learned something, but I also, I do, I do laugh and I do, I do send you messages when I find <laughs> things that are interesting and things like that. And yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, I've, you've cracked me up when you've said like, oh, I just learned some new phrases from you today. <laughs> I never knew about that. That's interesting. Put, put, you just put two words together that I never would have thought would be said together. <laughs> so we'll, we'll dive into that. I'm curious. Um, so you're in the Bay area, you've been there for about 25 years. Um, you're not in the hunting community per se. My view, and I'm biased. Um, I obviously have a very like narrow focus on this topic, but my, I, I, I make an assumption that, that if you were fed or like, if you were presented, you know, a picture of a wolf, say, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago today, whatever with this, with like a headline, you know, hunters are slaughtering the wolves or save the wolves that, that as a consumer of that information or that type of headline, does it, how would that, how would that have sat with you 10 years ago or five years ago? Oh, well, I think certainly 10 years ago, I was probably more militant about just you know, if, if those types of things would, would impact me and be like, oh, we have to protect them. They're, you know, this is awful. These hunters are killing yeah. all of our animals. Yeah. Um, you know, I was a vegetarian in the 90s for. Uh, oh, wow. For, uh, you know, for a, for a couple of years, you know, but not not super hard. hard I'm sorry. No. No, no, no. I, I, I gave it up when I was living in New Orleans because it was it was honestly they put they put meat in everything like sausage. Sure. I, I was having it was too much work to like. Pick, pick, like pick it out of things and, and stuff like that and then 
but I mean, I, you know, I eat meat now, but I not, yeah. not, not every meal, not a, okay. not a ton of red meat, but yeah. I, you know, and I, but I, I think it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm fine with it. Like I, at this point, I don't have a philosophical, you know, disagreement with it. I think for me, it's just more of a balance. Sure. Sure. But so you were a vegetarian for a while. Sounds like, um, some of the slogans or some of the, the rhetoric that may have been presented with, uh, you know, support now or advocate now, or, you know, donate now, um, you may have been quicker to jump quick at that time to kind of jump on and, and support those things. Yeah. Yeah. And then also just from an environmental perspective, you know, mm -hmm. there was times and things like, you know, organizations like Greenpeace or things like that, or, you know, uh, you know, National Wildlife Foundation or, sure. things, you know, there were certain things. I mean, I think or, certain global organizations or national organizations that were well-funded and, and kind of got their message out there. I mean, oh, I'm yeah. sure I, I was influenced by that. Have you ever been a member of, of any of those? Are you willing to, to throw that out there if you have? Um, I think I donated some money to Greenpeace probably in the 90s. Okay. A little, a little bit. All right. We'll but it was, you. But, I mean, you know, but that was more cost. like, you know, I think it was protect, you know, I think that they were, you know, they were trying to protect like whaling or, I sure. mean, not, not whaling, but, you know, or, or seals or baby seals are being clubbed in Canada yep. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And those are dramatic images. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen those. Like, and I'm like, wow, like, why would anybody like hunt baby seals? That's terrible. Like it, it, the, the imagery is, is so stark and, and like, uh, it's hard not to see some of those be like, oh, wow, they're telling me like the, the emotions and the pull and all that. It's, um, it's hard to stop and ask like why a little more. Um, so former vegetarian, um, I actually, what's interesting on red meat, we don't buy any red meat in, in our house here either. It's, we, we do buy plenty of, you know, factory farm ground Turkey, um, and, uh, you know, some chicken, poultry and fish, uh, mostly salmon. We have a very simple like diet program in our house. It's very basic. Um, but the red meat that does come into the house in the last three years has been bear and venison. Um, so that's been, that's been, um, interesting. And I've got friends, you know, Charles from Howell, he hasn't bought protein like meat in the store in like his entire life, practically like everything they consume is what he, what he takes, uh, off the land, what he harvests, um, pig, turkey, venison, uh, bear it's it's pretty wild um so just to like 10 years ago maybe headlines like that would have been um catchy and kind of drawn you in some where where would you say you are and it, maybe it's not affected i don't know what it is um where would you say you are after seeing like my journey uh, has any of my journey been contrary to what you would have expected from watching a hunter do you know participate in the activity of hunting and big game hunting in, in the in the western states um no absolutely i mean i think i think the part that kind of surprised me was how how like intellectual it is actually in a lot of ways, like how much planning and effort goes into it. And just, and just hearing firsthand, like you're, you know, you're, you're going, you're setting uh, trail cameras out there. You're, yeah. you're, 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 you're scouting your, your areas 
um, you know, how how many trips you're out there you're, that you're not you're not taking shots or you're not or or the idea that there you don't shoot the the moms and the the little ones you know yeah. that I, you know i think the the preconception that i had that it was just this kind of like toxic macho thing where people are out there <laughs> with just shooting at anything that moved and just leaving right. it you know and, right and and your experience is not that and i yeah. and i i um suspect that a majority of the hunters are you know there's maybe a very small minority where mm -hmm. you know they're not they're not getting the the ta you know the tags they're not doing i mean there it's a lot more complex than mm -hmm. i was aware of and so i think i just have a lot more r respect for it that you're you know what you've communicated is you do have a, a respect for the land for the animals the um and you're and you know the the bear that you know the bears that you've you've shot you've you know you've you've harvested the meat and, yeah. and brought it back and yeah. it's you know it's, was that was that was that the first so you i think you really reached out after i took my first bear um that was in so where are we now 2022 2021 so it was in 2020 and that was after i'd just just after i'd started the podcast i think well, you were doing, you were posting things on Instagram before that, yeah. before the yeah. podcast. And so I was hunting, re hunting related. Yeah. Hunting related. I've yeah. always been a fan of uh, the trail ca um, cameras when you put yeah. those out there. And I, I always love seeing those posts and with it, see animals like, you know, walking by and stuff yeah. like that. I thought that was interesting. And uh, mostly it was like, it was, it was deer, but, uh -huh. um, but there was, you know, I think there were a few bears every once in a while that would, mm -hmm. that would come in there. And so I think, you know, initially it was, it was things on, on Instagram, there would be mm -hmm. little video clips or things like that. And then, and then you did start the podcast a, a couple yeah. of years ago yeah. and which I like, I like that because it's more, you can tell your story more. It's, it, it's in your voice and you can kind of just hear the, the, um, I mean, there's, there's some frustration, but it's a lot of effort. It's a lot of, um, <laughs> but it's, it's. It's it's healthy though. I mean, to yeah. me, it kind of it kind of just humanizes it and stuff. That it's not just something that you're just going to go out there and like shoot ten bucks or whatever right. and bring them home. It, it doesn't work like that, you know. No, it doesn't. And I think I think you just nailed what a lot of people that don't hunt have a have this preconceived notion that it's like just drive out in the truck, jump out, shoot stuff, shoot animals. Like it's just that's it. And maybe, you know, and if it's a bear, obviously the, I mean, the humane society very directly, you know, builds this framework, this mental framework that, that all bear hunting is trophy hunting. Like there is no, they, you know, we've surveyed X number of hunters and they don't take the meat. It's like, I don't know anybody that doesn't take the meat. You know, it's like, that's, so there's a, there's definitely a, a mindset or a, or a, there's an assumption from, I think a lot of people, I think you were there and I'm glad that I've challenged that, that it's really freaking hard. Um, there's a lot of plan. There is a lot of planning. And, um, I was thinking about while you were talking that, yeah, the bear, the first bear I took was in 2020 and then kicked off the podcast in, um, summer of 21. Cause that's where I was, I did a whole, I did a lot like straight through. And then it was 22 where I kind of fell off a little bit. So, yeah. So I took the, I took the first bear before the podcast even, 
Wow. And that um, one was so impressive because it was it was archery. Like it was, you know, yeah. a bow and arrow. I'm like, who, who does that? Like, like it was just it was you're like a superhero. <laughs> and that you survived. I mean, part of it is as a friend, I'm concerned. I'm like, oh my God, he's gonna be killed by a bear or something. Right. And um no, you 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 got it, you know, and that was amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's it's been fun. I've seen um because the way bears react to people you know, usually they'll, they usually they'll run away, but they also, they don't care about as much as stuff that's going on around. Like they'll just, cru if they're cruising through the woods, they'll just ignore other, other animals. Like they, they're the, they're the, you know, in, in California, no, but nothing's going to attack them. And so they're very, they can be very nonchalant around people. They can also run away quite a bit. Um, and so I've actually been in relatively close proximity to more bears, I think, than deer. Um, yeah. You get to within 25, 30 yards of a, of, a, of any any you know deer, especially anywhere near the the hunting season, and they're gonna they're, they're out like they're gonna they're gonna boogie. Um, I've had quite a few bears that were aware of me within like 25 to to 50 yards. And they can cover that ground pretty fast. Thankfully, I think if if you make if if you stand up and throw your arms around a little bit, you know they're going to run away. But no, it's 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 always it's always a treat um, to see a bear and to be in that that close of you know in that close proximity to them, um, share that space with them, even even if you're if even if I'm not hunting. Um, and there's been a few where I was hunting, but I, I went, didn't have a shot. Like they were moving too quickly. If I was bow hunting, I wasn't going to be able to take a shot if they're moving quickly. So that's cool that that kind of broke down some, some preconceived notions. Um, you've, you've talked about how, so I'll, we'll go back to like the humane society and their issues. Um, do you think, you know, if there's a hundred of you, do you think that, the message that the humane society might say about, you know, bear hunters, bear hunting, wolf hunting, you know, any of these wildlife management issues, do you think it would hit you and, and a, a group of you differently now that you've experienced some of this than, than before? Or is, am I, am I over, if I, am I over indexing on, on what I think that, you know, that, that connection can do? No, I think you have it. You have it right. I mean, it certainly it certainly impacts my my thinking. I mean, just just knowing you as a person and what your experience is, and then just mm -hmm. seeing what you know, seeing your involvement with other groups and other hunters. Because I know, mm -hmm. it, I think sometimes hunters kind of live in the shadows, and I think mm -hmm. some of these organizations kind of want to put them in the shadows as well. So they're saying, oh, it's a it's a fringe thing, like it's something that not you know, not very many people do, mm -hmm. which I, I, I don't know, honestly, what, what the numbers are, but I, I think that it, it's, I don't think there's a reason to hide. I mean, I'm actually right. th thankful that you're, you're sharing what you, what you're doing, because I think it does. Um, I mean, it is, it, it, it's public interest in a lot of ways. It's, it's yeah. like, you know, I mean, it's, you're, you're hunting on public lands. There's, um, you know, there's, I think there's an act, it, it's self-funding. Yeah. More or less, uh, yep. it, uh, um, you know, I, I think, I guess I never really thought about it as much before, but I think there is a, 
there is a connection between conservation and hunting and environmentalism. And I mean, they all intersect in some way. They maybe not yep. completely overlap, but there's a lot of areas where they share some yeah. common um, common ground. And I think it is because our society is so polarized and siloed in, yeah. you know, in the last several years. It's nice to see where there's things where you can have alignment. And right. So. Yeah, no, that's true. That's interesting that that there's probably there is more there's a more alignment um with that in that regard because I mean as I, I think there was a time 50 to 100 years ago um I think where the mindset of hunting ranching use of public lands was say just to isolate the predator issue it was very anti-predator like truly like there was a kill them all mindset mm -hmm. i i think that existed i mean obviously if you're throwing out chunks of meat with arsenic in it you're you're trying to kill them all <laughs> um and there's a reason for that and so like i also think it's important to like look into the why like why why was that the mindset and and at the time i think the mindset was that that they, people want to use the public land for sheep herding, for you know more cattle ranching, for um, to 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 ensure a greater number of uh, ungulates, you know, deer and elk and and whatnot. And so that was there was a purpose, there was a reason for it. It wasn't just let's just go kill animals, let's just go slaughter. I don't think that that was even the 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 impetus to go out and like to to kill wolves and grizzly bears and, and and black bears to such a degree black bears were largely killed as part of the market economy where market hunting was allowed and there was people that would go up into the mountains and, and kill you know dozens of bears dozens of elk dozens of deer and bring them down into you know san francisco <laughs> and sell and sell the meat and feed people um and so the biggest you know the biggest things that where humans destroyed wildlife populations was market hunting um just over you know over harvest over consumption because they could turn around and sell the meat or uh, modifying the animals on the landscape modifying the the, pre the predator populations to enhance the prey species or the ranched you know the, the sheeps get the sheeps huh. <laughs> i can say it um to to basically make it safer for for um sheep to be on the landscape as livestock but that's a long time ago like those those realities are not what i view and i try to share a lot those are not my realities and i don't think those are most hunters realities now there is an interface where we're ranching and and predators come into play but i think most hunters today like the mindset is we want more animals like we want more different animals on the landscape and we want more of them um but we want to have we want hunting to be like the tool we want it to be the the the, the device that's used to to manage those populations and, and help maintain you know diverse balance and whatnot yeah, I think so, like sometimes it's like it's hard to know what what data to trust because mm -hmm. if 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 certain organizations are putting numbers out there, it could be flawed. Who knows what mm -hmm. how they're counting? I you know I think the um, 
I don't even recall what is the California Department of is it Fish and Game or Department of Wildlife. I don't even yep. know the CDFW. Or, yes. You know, they, I'm sure they they have scientists as well that are, you know, maybe taking some sort of census or, you know, it's and I'm sure it's not a perfect science, but you have to kind of start somewhere. Right. It's not a perfect science. Um, the I think the phrase that's used is the the phrase that's used in wildlife management is the best science available because the science the scientific methods you know from a data processing perspective from a statistical analysis perspective from you know the actual tactics on the landscape you know whether it be you know fecal dna analysis they can do fecal dna analysis and actually extrapolate you know how how you know genetically diverse the the, the population is, which then they can extrapolate into numbers of animals. Um, they do hair, you know, you could do follicle hair analysis. There's so many different ways to, to interpret the data. And so it is, it is the best science available and that evolves over time. Um, and what we, as we, as, you know, as hunters are finding, especially in Washington state, like the commission there keeps saying, oh, the the science isn't really good enough. Like the data is not good enough, and that's and that's a way of of having a never ending. Like, okay, if we're not going to make a decision on something until we have the best, until we have the right data or the right you're science, you're never you never get it. you never yeah. get there. It's like it's a way of saying we're never going to let you do this because we're never actually going to get to that point where we've you know unless the science says what they want it to say. Then they just say, "Oh, we just we just don't have a, a good enough science." Um, and so that is that is true about it's true about data and everything. And and a trusted organization that's broadly recognizes you know doing good can say whatever they want, and and very few people will challenge them if it lines up with what their mindset, like what their what their uh, what their own preconceived notions are. Yeah, so that's why I think it's so helpful when you have participated in those meetings and mm -hmm. attended those, and you know, and kind of just told tell your story and say and and what you know. I mean, hunters have rights, and you need to um, protect those, you know, and not yeah. let those not you know let organizations that are just diametri diametrically opposed to you like control the narrative here. Like right. it's there. There's certain things where they're just they're pushing something that is just completely off base, and yeah. they need they need to be checked. Yeah. So. so you you're an attorney, right? Of some sort, sort of. You, I went to law school. I don't, I don't, you went to I, law school. <laughs> I went to law school. I don't practice law per se, but I you know I I do regulatory <laughs> compliance. Got it. Okay. So one of the things that we uh, we, I say we being, you know, people that are involved in like hunting and conservation advocacy that we've realized is that, and this is probably isn't new, but we've realized is that, that some of these, um, some of these orgs that are here to quote, protect animals, um, they will, they'll never celebrate a victory for the, for the animals like grizzly bear and wolf recovery. Like the data, like when you go into the Endangered Species Act and look at the, the data that was required, like what the benchmarks were going to be for, to say this animal is recovered, this animal is ready for delisting. Um, we've, we've cleared those benchmarks dramatically for, for a lot of species, um, but 
those those charismatic large carnivores are beautiful like they're beautiful they're iconic and they may make great headlines and so a lot of the orgs that say they're protecting those animals they use the sue and settle um they use like the the equal access to to justice laws to basically enable like public advocacy lawsuits Mm. and what we what we see or what what i think is they can't let the recovery of the species be successful because then they don't have something to fight for. Right. If they don't have something well, to fight it, for, they don't have a fundraising. Fund yeah. They don't have a fundraising mechanism. Yeah. No, it, I mean, it's, it's, that's cynical, but it's true. I mean, it's just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, how, how does, how do you get that into the into the into the mainstream? Like, how do you get that fact into the mainstream that there's basically they've, they've got like this cottage industry that is more focused on lawsuits than it is about the wildlife? I mean, it's just lawyers are the worst. I mean, honestly, like it's just. <laughs> I mean, they're 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 protecting. They're out protecting themselves and generating mm-hmm. a business you're right it is it, it's this whole other industry and, and in the end of the day the animals they're you know maybe maybe it started off as a as a noble idea but it after sure. after a while there it, it 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 just sort of took on a life of its own and it's just it's not going to stop you know at this point yeah. regardless of whether the species have recovered to an acceptable level if they've already met their initial goals you know, right. they're like, oh, no, we can't we can't acknowledge that because we, you know, we're we're fundraising off of this and we have more right. lawsuits to file and more, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a dark reality. Um, I don't know how to fight that other than to, to get more people that would be susceptible to clicking on that headline, seeing that headline and clicking through and giving them the money. It's like, how do you take the oxygen out of the room for that group of people? Like, how do you how do you take the money out? Because if because if the fundraising doesn't work, they're going to go on to some other animal. Like they'll go on to their cause if they if they can no longer get traction with that with that fight. Yeah, I mean, that's a real challenge. And it's like you're kind of, you know, one guy up against, a you know, a huge organization. Right. And I think but. But I mean, uh, groups like you know, um, Hal for Wildlife, and uh, like the, you guys, are, I think, are making a difference. I mean, it, yeah. you know, you're you're strategic as far as what what battles you're taking on. You can't do everything, so you kind of no. have to st- start somewhere. And and um, you know, and I've I've kind of like from the sidelines observed what what you're what you're doing, and it, it, and I think it, it's it's dramatic it's like you know you're it's not just california it's like you know i think the ones i've seen mostly have been in the western states yeah yeah Um, mostly western states a few trapping um little few trapping issues um new york every year it sounds like i think there's legislation in new york every year they try to ban importation of african game um species which goes into like a whole nother thing like when you look at the data in africa some of the best wildlife preserves where you've got the iconic species the elephants giraffe rhino uh lions um they're they're hunting preserves 
Mm-hmm. And it's like the the because somebody from out because somebody from Europe or or North America or South America will go and spend fifty thousand dollars on this one animal. There's this whole economy that then enables the protection of all the animals and protect in, in the conservation, and they actually pays for the security forces that keep the poachers out. Um, anyways, New York always has this legislation, and we view it as like, who who are we in North America or in Europe to tell, you know, African nations that they can't manage their wildlife in a sustainable, in an economically sustainable manner? It's like it's very to me it's a very elite it's a very like it's a very woke elitist w- approach to telling it, it you know it kind of has like a colonial aspect of it as well i mean it's just kind of like yeah 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 white man telling telling right. them what what they're to 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 do or not do and yeah it's like yeah we we you know europeans we we've we've trashed your continent we've extracted you know we, we've killed we've done great damage to the animals that are there and now we're gonna now that we're no longer now that we're no longer doing that we're going to tell you that you can't manage them it is it's um it's uh it's something that i feel like it's a sensitive way to approach it but it's true like there's a true there's a very um you know it's, it's factual that like we're we're telling other countries that they can't do this um, by by shutting off the economy, almost like creating a sanction against their economy, and and not just against their economy, but against their ability to manage wildlife. So yeah, it, and it's again, it goes back to fundraising. I don't know if the the people that the people that write the fifty dollar check think they're advancing towards an end that is what they want, but the organization that's collecting that fifty dollar check may not care they may, they may not really you know be so concerned about the results um right it feeds into their bureaucratic machine basically right. and just it's part of the business yeah but yeah i don't know it's just it's just i think part of it is that there's there's so there's so many different things and it's like you can't you can't focus on on everything like i think that i think people just have to kind of find okay what what are the true interests for them? What are they, what are they willing to, I mean, there's only so many hours in the day, you know, yeah. and, mo- and most, and I know for you, this is not just a hobby. Like it's more, it's more than a hobby. Maybe it started sure. off like that, but it's certainly, you know, I'm sure it takes up a lot of your time and, and you spend a lot of money on equipment and, and other things and, and you're, and then just the, just, I think just the, the advocacy part is I think so yeah. important. You're trying to bring more people in into the cause and i think but it's it's been effective though and i what you're doing i think the more that you're able to kind of share your your story and your uh, will uh, i mean that'll that'll just sort of help you know promote this yeah no i appreciate that how how definitely stays focused um and it does people are people are tied on bandwidth tied on focus people have so much coming at them so our goal with how is definitely to make it easy and effective so that people can go quickly see an issue act on the issue and know that that it's being directed to the right um decision makers Um, because it's so hard to know like who do I write? Like, is this, do I write my Senator? Do I write a commissioner? And so we definitely build that structure there. Um, Just thinking about what else, uh, what else to go into. I'd love to hear, uh, we can kind of shift gears a little bit and just have some fun. What are some of the, you've messaged me several times and like after a podcast, like, 
oh my god i this phrase like you know uh blood trail i think was one of them blood trail <laughs> like, was like not I'm words gonna... that i thought i'd hear you know <laughs> that I would catch my ear what what are some of the the favorite words or phrases that that caught your attention over the over the last couple years um i remember this one uh, don't hunt the nursery you know that was kind of that was interesting you know <laughs> or, or or you get into the whole there is this fascination with 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 scat with with poop and analyzing <laughs> the turds like what's going through their migration trail like it was very like it's um it's it's interesting or or you're talking about glassing i was like what the hell is he talking about and then it you know it you know yeah. and i think just the the patience you're there with like your binoculars and you're looking you're 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 watching um, mostly with, um, I think a lot of that's around deer more than, more than bear. Primarily, um, with, yeah. Or, or talking about something as super bucky. I remember like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, the bachelor party is so, is in the, is in the region or something like something along those lines, like the, the, um, the, you know, I think just the, the, the bucks in general, yeah. like, and just the, um, Oh, there was something else you went into, like field dressing. I'm like, what is that? And it's like, oh, okay, okay well, you're, you're harvesting, you're harvesting the meat and how butchering, butchering the meat in the field. <laughs> it, um, but actually, what was interesting was I didn't realize. I mean, you you had to be so prepared for that because once once the animal is down, you all, yeah. you have very the clock starts ticking. You just have a, a limited amount of time in order to harvest it to get it out of there yeah. before it goes bad because you don't want to do all this effort and then not be able to 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 get the meat. You yeah. know, yeah. Um, Oh, what was the other? There was another phrase I actually wrote down. It was like it was after I think it was after you you got your first bear. You said I had a um, drop. I dropped the head off for skull cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, that's uh, yeah. So for me, like on my two bears, the trophy part, the part that I can that I hold on to uh, after the meat's gone is is the skull. And so there's actually there's a cottage industry out there of, of people that that clean clean skulls and preserve and set them up for preservation. And so that's uh, I haven't taken the hide out out you know as you as you've seen I I'm usually in the back country so I'm like yeah. miles miles in um I very rarely hunt if I ever drop something and, and kill an animal that's close enough to the truck I'll be surprised cuz I don't spend much time nearby the near the truck and so uh, but the two bears I've taken, I haven't t taken the hide because well, it's just, I mean, it's just it's heavy. heavy. Yeah. It's I mean, heavy. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like another 40 to 60 pounds at least. Um, and so at that point I'm like, this is heavy. It's not, it's not perfect. Like the bigger bear, the first bear I took was, was pretty good size. Um, that was a big bear, but it was August. It was like, or the first weekend of September. So yeah, it was super warm. The bear, the hide was like, the fur was very thin and um, there just wasn't much there in terms of fur. And then the second bear that I took was, had a better hide, but it was, um, it was a relatively small bear. And so I'm like, yeah, and it's expensive to get hides tanned. And so I'm kind of waiting. I'm waiting for that, that primo, like really big hide that's also in great shape if I'm going to spend literally a full backpack trip, like if it's another 60 to 80 pounds, that's going to be mean, its own backpack trip in well, and out. Yeah, yeah. What do you balance though? I mean, does, is the meat the priority or is the hide? Like, I mean, you're right. trying to, you know, you can't carry everything in one trip. No. It's just, it's just too much, especially because yeah. you're, you're typically, like you said, pretty, you're, you're remote. I mean, just 
your way out there. And I'm always concerned, like, is some is some animal or other person going to mess with your truck if you if you if you've got you know say you're doing multiple trips you 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 put things in a I guess a cooler or something you you yeah. have it locked down in the truck but is that going to get messed with before you can get back there you know if you're going back for a second trip to haul stuff out yeah it crosses my mind as well this last year the bear that i took i you know i I got the bear on basically like the first full day of the hunt and it was a five or six day hunt and i had a bear tag and a deer tag and so i got the bear on the first day the second day i did some glassing using my binoculars <laughs> so side note when i was reading as a new hunter when i was reading and people say oh yeah you need to be glassing more or when you're glassing as the new person in in the in the room that didn't know anything i too was like what are they talking about like and I, and of course i'm i'm not I sat back and just listened and and waited for context and more uses of the word to fill it in, like what the heck they were talking about. Um, I would have, I raised my hand, you know, in a Facebook forum, like, hey, what's glassing me? And I, I could have just been <laughs> absolutely roasted. Um, but yeah, so the second day I did some glassing and I just realized I want to get the meat out of here, get it to the truck. And so, yeah, day two, I sat down for a couple hours and boned out the meat. So I got it, basically did you know, backcountry butchering, got all the meat off the bone. So two shoulder roasts, basically off the bone, two hind hind quarters roasts, you know, or all the hind quarters taken off the bone, packed it all out, got it in the truck, got it on ice and then, um, and left it. And it's like, this is, if a bear smells this, you know, a Yosemite bear, a bear that's around people a lot, would have been all over. They would have torn that that cooler open. Um, But in this area where I'm hunting, the bears are not as habituated to human trash cans, human activity. Yeah. And and it's during hunting season. And deer really, they really get onto like a hair trigger alert during hunting season. I think bears do too. I think bears... You know, in the fall, they're probably like, eh, I don't want to be around people so much if they're if they're not habituated to to humans. And so, yeah, I, I definitely thought about that, and I left it. So that was like day two of of five. So it was there for three days in the cooler uh, on ice. And when I got back, it was, the ice was fine. It was it had been cool. It actually snowed. You know, I was up there during one of the, the late October storms, so temperature wise, it was cool. Um, but that crosses my mind too, like. Yeah. you're right to you're right to think about that risk um because it is it is a possibility but i'm always impressed like with your your description of i mean you you actually provide a lot of information about like the what you're wearing the the like the the clothing and the, yeah. the layers and stuff like yeah. that and i and i know i've, I've teased you before about the, the fish nets and things like that but but they appear to be effective <laughs> though and it's I'm, like i'm i'm an outlier I'm an outlier, I think, in the hunting community with the the Brignier, um fishnet merino base layer. <laughs> I did hear about them from um, a hunt, another hunting podcast, so I know that it, they've been used. Um, they're really popular in the mountaineering, uh, uh, you know, c- community, I guess. Um, but yeah, I try to I try to get that information, and really, I. I don't, I mean, you know, you know, who I'm sponsored by, you know, nobody, I'm not sponsored by anybody. And I definitely, 
have gone through like I started with just my basic backpacking gear. I'm like, I know how to backpack. I have a backpack and a sleeping bag from 25, 30 years ago. And so I literally started in 2017 with the backpack that I used to hike the Jamir Trail in 1992. So I can't do the math. 25 years, <laughs> 25 years, like 20, so the backpack uh, yeah, is like 25 yeah. years old. Yeah. Um, so backpack was 25 years old. Sleeping bag was probably 30 years old. Um, I just, and so, and I had a, I've had a, like a, my mindset of upgrading has been, I'm going to use what I have until I realize that it has, it had, what its limits are. And cause I, I want to make sure, cause it, you could very easily go out and drop like 10 grand on new equipment. Right. Um, or more, well, I mean more, if you really, if you really want to get fancy and hit all the t name brand stuff. Um, but I just, I wanted to know like, why am I upgrading? Like, what is it about this thing that I already own? I have a backpack. Like, why is it not sufficient? Carried 70 pounds in it back in, you know, 1992. So why, why not? The first time that bear that I packed out um, in that backpack, that was really not, it's more of a backpacking backpack, not a hunting backpack. Um, I knew, I knew why I wanted a new backpack because yeah. it didn't carry the weight of, you know, 60 to 80 pounds of meat and dead animal quite as well as, um, something that's more modern and, and tuned towards that. So with all of my purchases, and so I try to talk about, and I don't know if I talk about brands as much as I talk about like the functionality of what I'm trying to, what I'm, what I'm, what kind of gear I've got, but, uh, yeah, the gear thing is interesting. There's a, there's podcasts that do entire like series or entire shows on just gear and well, and it's part of it's like of it, you can use what you've got to start yeah. with. No, but I mean like the weather. I mean you're out on ridges and it's windy and it's cold. I mean the mm -hmm. high Sierras, the temperature change is dramatic, and it's just yeah. like and when especially when you've done kind of you know when you're out on a trip and you you'll do a little you know a five minute little clip there and you could you could hear the wind and the conditions yeah. i've seen you out in the snow i'm like going god better you than me like i wouldn't get out there but <laughs> i'm glad someone is and you you've apparently haven't frozen to death and it's um <laughs> haven't frozen to death yeah no frostbite maybe but haven't frozen to death <laughs> you always no, made it out so yeah um, I love I love that those those phrases and, and things I, I can just imagine you walking around San Francisco and be like, oh, yeah, you know, it's Bucky around here or there's a like, like oh, I'd like to bump a doe right now. <laughs> I, I actually no, I like it because a lot of times I mean, I'm. I don't want to say multitasking, but I would, I would have sure. my headphones on. I'm walking around doing doing something else, and then I'm listening to this, and then I'll I'll, I'll see something visually, and I'm hearing you what you're talking about, and it's like wow, you know, this is I could be walking through a really bad part of San Francisco, and right. I'm hearing you know your what what you're doing up in the mountains and stuff like that, and it's 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 um yeah it's 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 interesting. It's 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 funny. That, that's funny. Um, so are you interested in hunting or is this, is this purely like, uh, you know, like it, it, it's fun. It's interesting. Like it's, it's expanded your perspective and how you process information in some ways. Um, or is there also like, Oh, I think I want to, I think I want to go do this. 
you know, I don't think I want to become a hunter, but I think I do have a, a newfound like, appreciation for it and how, okay. like how, and, and, and more, and more supportive of it. Like not, yeah. I'm not going to say, oh, I'm, I'm anti-hunting across yeah. the board or whatever. Like, right. I think if there's, to me, I think the intent, I think is a, is a big component of it. Mm-hmm. And if, and if I think if, if, if there's hunters that are out there, they're putting in the time they're, they have a respect for the the land and the animals and they're and they're they're eating what they're doing it's they're, it, right. it, they're not selling it i think i think you had mentioned on a recent podcast the difference between um recreational hunting by definition means that it's non-commercial right and, yeah, and, not, and, and not it doesn't mean frivolous yeah it doesn't mean it means, frivolous non, or it means non-commercial yeah yeah and um i you know, I I think that it um, it, it's interesting and it should it should be supported. I don't, and I yeah. think I think that there's, um, I mean, I guess what it made me think about is you can work within the system to change it. I mean, to engage in the 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 government agencies that are, you know, they're not always your your enemy. Like there's right. ways. Like I think some like some groups. I'm not just saying hunters, but sure, other groups in our society. Oh, sometimes they they'll just claim victimhood and not do anything to fix the situation or engage. Right. And and you're you're getting involved. So that's yeah. like you know that's that that is making a difference. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's what clicked for me is like we can't I use the, the football like the football game analogy all the time. Like we can't just sit out in the parking lot, drink beer and pit and piss and moan about the refs. Right. You know, and not be in the arena like we're not in there. Like we just we have to go there. Like we even if we don't like the rules, we don't like the outcome, we don't like the other team, we don't like, you know, any of it. We still have to go there and and figure out like what is what are the rules and what what is the game first like what's the game even because the arena you know the, the game is different whether it's commission or electeds and whatnot um but cool i, I mean i'm i'm glad it's you're i think i mean i i sense this since we talk about you know lots of different stuff through through you know social chats and stuff um, I don't know if we've talked in person since like the reunion. I know it's been a it's, while. It's so been a can... while, and so well, but that, know... again, that's the magic of social media. Is like you can feel yeah. like you know, you know, and you get bits of information um, through messaging and whatnot. But I, I sense that you're not like racing out to go hunt. Um, a lot of hunting marketing, a lot of like, there's a thing called R3: recruit, retain, and reactivate. And the concern nationwide about the hunting community and the hunting industry had been that there's a there's a trend downward in uh, hunter participation, which obviously, if you're a vendor of hunting gear, you're concerned about that. If you're a seller of opportunity, if you sell tags and licenses, like you're a government agency that relies on income from hunting, you're concerned about that. And so R3, there's a lot of R3 programs that are designed to like, you know, recruit new hunters, retain the ones that we have, reactivate people that have quit hunting. Um, and, and then, but then the other side of that is there's a debate about we have enough hunters. Like you go hunting in Colorado, you go elk hunting in Colorado during, you know, the 
the general season when anybody can get a tag and there's there's they talk about like it's the orange army there's 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 people wearing blaze orange on every ridge like you can't you can't go anywhere in the wilderness of colorado and not see hunters yeah i don't have that pro like in california i get i go into zones that literally have thirty thousand tags sold for the zones i go into and i don't see people like i so i feel like there's a way to do it in a way where you don't see everybody don't, don't see a lot of people um but there there's the r3 movement and there's also a community of hunters that are like, there's too many of us. Like it's crowded, can't get tags, not enough animals on the landscape anymore. Um, and I don't always, I don't necessarily think that the lack of animals on the landscape is due to over harvest. There's a lot by humans. There's a lot of other factors. There's development, there's habitat encroachment, there's predators coming. Predator numbers are, are on the upswing for the last 20 years. There's a lot of factors involved, but I guess what I'm getting at is, not all of the messaging that is pro that is supportive of hunting recruits people right like you you're you've can you've consumed this information these stories they've maybe shifted your 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 perspective some to where you're i think you're you're maybe you're moderated a little bit you're open to hunting supportive but you're not like clamoring to go out and hunt and that's okay I think, yeah. and I think that's the, I think that's the beauty of it is we can communicate with people without necessarily like dragging them into it. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things that's like, I, you know, I have a lot of varied interests and I, yeah. I'm, I'm supportive of this and, and I, I like that you're, that you're doing it and you get a lot of enjoyment out of it. I think just from my observation for you, a lot of it is when you're doing these hunts is it's a solitary thing you're going out by yourself you're not going mm-hmm. with a group of of, gu- of guys or whatever yeah. out there and so it is it it's um you know it's a uh, um but you but you get I, I get the sense you you have you get a lot of fulfillment out of it mm-hmm. and it and as a friend i like i like yeah. seeing that 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 that's that it's making you happy and yeah. it and i want to i want you to be happy and, yeah. and do do something that you enjoy and yeah. um and it's not it's not harming anyone else i mean it's like it's right you know it's like if imagine if we said that only cer- only a certain number of people can go surf on any mile of beach at any time yeah for some reason it's like yeah. i just don't like it like if i said i don't like i don't you know from my from my perch in northern california I don't like the view of what happens when there's too many people surfing. It's like, who the hell am I to have an opinion about that? <laughs> but I think though, there's a, I mean, there's a, there's a value in, in, in communicating. Cause there's, there's, you know, there, there's a lot of us that are urban or suburban mm-hmm. that, you know, aren't hunting. But if we, if we know people personally that are, then perhaps we're, we'll be more supportive of it. Yeah. And, and then when we hear things that are, that, you know, are, are trying to play to our emotions or, um, yeah, you know, there've been a few, there's actually another guy from our high school messaged me today. He's, he's, he's going on an elk hunt in New Mexico. Um, I won't say his name, um, Lewis, uh, he's going to, El, he's going to elk hunt in New Mexico. He's starting like the mountain tough fitness program. So he's, he's our age. I think it was maybe been a year ahead of us. And so again, social media, like somebody from South Orange County going elk hunting, New Mexico, he's a hunter. So there's been a few people. And I was wondering, do you know of anybody else that hunts in um, your, 
close or extended community that maybe you didn't know before? Actually, I have. So I think it was a couple years ago. I think I had posted something after you had a, a, a podcast or okay. And I put something out there and then someone that I, um, when I had lived in San Ramon, someone had um, reached out to me and her husband actually was a hunter. I had okay. no idea. And okay. that was, and she actually appreciated that, that yeah. I had shared that. And it was something that was, um, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. Okay. There's, there's more of there. Now there's two, you know, <laughs> right, there's, there's two and it's two more than I knew. <laughs> it's crazy because I really, as I do feel like, um, it's like if you if it's like if you all of a sudden started learning about like RC cars, you'd find out like who who are all the people that are in the RC car community and you don't know because they just it, you know they just keep to themselves. Um, there's so many of these things because we're so siloed, and I do think there's a there's a degree of like the more that hunters are kept out of the mainstream, you know, the anti hunter the last thing anti hunters want is hunting to be normalized. Like hunting to be like, yeah, who cares? I'm not going to take that away from them. You know, to, to, there's been a lot of rights issues, you know, in the last 20 years, 20, 40 years where um, if something became, as soon, once it became normalized in the mainstream, it's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell those people they can't live their lives. Right. Um, and I kind of feel like hunters are, are, we're in that, we're at that crossroads now where, you got anti-hunters that are defining words like, oh, it's trophy hunting and we don't want that. And so now I'm going to take my, I'm not going to post my pictures because I don't want people to think I'm a trophy hunter. Like, I don't want them to think that of me. So I'm not going right. to do that, which means, but then they don't also learn the other stuff. So I do, I do think it's cool that um, through one connection, at least I've got you, <laughs> you got, me. got at least one connection where, um, you know, hunting is, I guess you could say it's been normalized a little bit more. Oh no, absolutely! It's been it's been personalized and cool. I and personalized too, which is important. Yeah, yeah, so. right on, right on. Well, thank you. Um, do you have any questions? Like any any anything come to mind? Like, are there any like? Probably not, but are there any burning questions like about hunting that you know that that does doesn't get answered or? Well, okay. So what's next? So you've, you've had, you, you've successfully taken down two bears, uh -huh. um, one with the bow, one with the uh, rifle. Yeah. What, um, I know you're, you're, you're going after elk and deer. What, what's yeah. next on the, what's, what are some other animals on the, on your agenda? Yeah. So for this year, um, still very much bear and deer I've, so for popular zones or popular hunt seasons in California and really all the Western states, there's usually like a draw. It's like a lottery. And for some of them, if you don't, for most of them, if you don't pull a tag for one of those, you get a point. And um, the point can either, you can see then after five years, you've got five points. And so some of them are like preference points where if you have five points, you might be at the front of the line to get that the next time. Um, or if you have five points, they might say, well, we're going to give you five times five. We're going to give you, they square it. So then you have 25 entries to the lottery. So some of them are like a random lottery, but the longer you've been waiting, the more, you know, the more points you get, the more likely they are to get pulled. Others are more like you're at the front of the line. And so I actually have a deer. I'm trying to put myself in a position to pull a tag for a zone that takes roughly, I don't know, between three and six points. Um, 
because I think I'm close to drawing one of these tags. And so I'm yeah. going to focus on one of those. That's for deer. California, we get two deer tags. So I'll probably do, if I get that tag, then it'll be a very specific zone. And then I'll probably get like an archery only tag that lets me hunt lots of other zones. So I'll still do two deer tags in California. I'll still do a bear tag. I'm going to try to do spring bear up in Oregon again. Um, that'll be late May. And then I'll do fall bear in California. And then I don't know. I'm, um, I, I want to do fall bear in either Oregon or Arizona with the purpose of, besides hunting bear, but with the purpose of learning the zone that will probably be an elk zone for me, an elk or deer zone for me, two to three years out. So I'm starting to, because I'm, I've been accruing these points in these other states, I want to, um, I kind of have this philosophical baseline of, I want to put boots on the ground. I want to be in that zone at least once or twice before I draw a tag. Like if I've got, if I, if it takes me seven years to get an elk tag, like that's besides the financial cost of going and doing the elk hunt. There's a time investment to that, which is bigger than all the money. Right. And so I want to start like using easier access hunts like bear hunts or deer hunts to scout, to, to get experience on the ground. And so I'm not, I don't feel ready to elk hunt yet. Elk are huge. First of all, I solo hunt. So I need to think about that too. You know, you get an elk down on the ground um, and you're, if I'm solo, there's 300 pounds of meat potentially to carry out. So then you're talking about, oh, you're four miles in. It's like four trips. It's, you know, 32 miles of backpacking with a lot of meat. So there's a lot of logistics that go into that. And so for elk hunting, I may start off with, um, I may need to find some buddies to hunt with, um, at least one or two to go along with. And maybe I just learn elk hunting without even having a tag in my pocket and just help them like go be part of the hunting party it's not my tag i can help carry meat and learn so i i feel but i'm feeling like elk and this is the reason i feel this way is because last year for my spring bear hunt i got out of the truck got the second zone i went into i got out of the truck and there's like turds everywhere i'm like what is this this isn't deer it's not bear i'm looking i'm like this is elk scat. Like there was elk scat everywhere. And I found a, a shed antler, found an antler shed there. So I, I know there's like, this is an elk zone. Mm. And so it kind of started to pique the interest that, okay, maybe I have found an elk area. Um, and so I'm, I'm starting to feel like two, maybe, maybe 2024 for sure by 2025, I'll be ready to go do an elk hunt. So um, there's people yeah. though, there's people that like, that don't live out West. I'm lucky. Like I'm here, like I've got big mountain hunting, deer, bear, public land. Um, there's folks that live like, you know, on the, in the East or Midwest, they've got tons of whitetail deer. They don't have mule deer. They, they have bears, but they don't have like the mountain experience that I love. And they'll throw in for years. They'll like put in like 10 years. They'll get points for a, a tag and they'll come out for that. And, and they'll come out for a 10 day hunt. And that 10 days will be the only 10 days that they're in that area hunting for that species, even though it took them 10 years to get the, to get the tag. Like it, to wow. me, it's just too much to put on the line. Yeah. Um, so my view is um, 
continue learning. I feel like even though I've seen, you know, two bears, one one buck in the last three years, I guess I'm ahead of the curve statistically. Um, but I definitely don't feel like I can just drop into a, a new area and see legal game like and have a shot like on on you know at will and so i don't you know i kind of want to stay closer to home and stay stay focused on areas that i've got a couple years experience in before i say okay i've really maxed out my opportunity there no that that makes sense and I, i think the other area where i didn't i didn't really put a lot of thought into it before but the it seems like hunters are. I mean, you'll you'll talk generally about where you are, but you don't give specifics. So I think you want to you want to keep that to yourself. So this is you true. Might, you might mention which which zone you're in, but that's a big area. So there's yeah. and I and I but I because I was thinking about that. I'm like, well, why does he talk more specifically? I'm like, oh, because you don't want other hunters there getting your spot. That's the that's your area that you've figured out and yeah. you've spent the time and and money to to like kind of scout Pick that apart. area. Yeah, no, that's it. It is. Um, people talk about like like blowing up a spot, basically. Like if I said, yeah, this ridge, you know, looking east down into this drainage, you know, saw all these bucks. Um, people will take that. Like the, people will put that information into their their little decision matrix. Be like, oh yeah, I remember you know this podcast talked about that, and they saw these three bucks, and um, obviously. So it's interesting, the most coveted zones that are the hardest to get, like the hardest to draw, there's 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 tags in, in California, in Utah, Colorado, there's tags that take 25 years to draw. Wow. Um, Nevada, Nevada, there's, ta- you know, so there are some zones where, you know, if you're one of the five or 10 people that get that tag, people that got it before you, they know they're never going to get it again. And they know that it's managed so tightly that it'll never be blown up. It'll never be destroyed by overhunting because it's managed so tightly. So in those most coveted zones, you'll often find people that have been there in the last several years, very open to talk about it. They'll give you all the tips. Like they got their, they got their hunt in, they got their tag, they got their, their trophy animal. Um, you know, they got their buck or bear. Usually it's bucks and bulls. It's deer and elk. Um, so they'll be open about it. It's the tags that are the easy ones to get where thousands of people can go in there. It's all public land. It's completely accessible um, where people are very close, you know, tight-lipped about where they are. And I've actually had people say that I post too much information. Like, dude, that's because they're probably hunting the same area. They can probably tell yeah. or they, they think they're hunting the same area. They're like, oh, don't blow that spot up, man. They're like, I've been back in there myself. Or, the, or they've told me, like, they see the ridge lines. You know, I post a picture and they see the ridge lines and you can tell, oh, that peak. I recognize that peak. I know ah. where you are. And it's morning and the sun's behind you. So I know you're looking <laughs> this direction. So I know where you are because that peak is in the picture. They'll, p- they'll pick it apart. Yeah. And, um, and so there is, a, there is a degree of that. Uh, the flip side is, I've had people say, dude, I know where you are and you shouldn't be posting so much information. I'm like, where am I? They're like, you're here. I'm like, eh, no, that's not where I was. <laughs> you know, so the, no, that's interesting. So the other thing I was thinking about is what, I mean, you, you're doing everything legal. You're getting your tags yeah. and, and things like that. What is the enforcement mechanism for people that don't get tags that are just going out there? and? Yeah. So poaching, poaching is a huge problem. Um, 
like drunk driving is a huge problem. Um, you know, there's the number of drunk drivers that get arrested is probably a tiny fraction of the number of people that are actually on the road illegally any, any night. And so there's the fear of, you know, really it's, it's fear of enforcement and it's just uh, an ethic, like, you know, honest people hunt honestly. I've seen, um, I've seen a game warden when I was out scouting. So it was December. I had a gun, I had a bear tag. So I was technically bear hunting, but I was also just kind of scouting for deer. Um, I've seen, uh, and, but I was transitioning between like public land and private land. There was like forested area, forest products owned area, national forest and some logging roads. And I saw a game warden there and he stopped and talked to me. Um, on the backcountry hunts, I've never seen, I've never seen anybody. Um, but there's always the prospect that, but I often on the roads in and out of these areas, I'll see a game warden on the side of the road and they could just wave you over like, Hey, come over here. I want to talk to you. Um, so there's obviously, you know, there's that, but I think, you know, poaching is poaching's a big problem of any kind. It doesn't help the hunting community. doesn't help the wildlife. People aren't paying into the system. Um, so that's, that's it. That's a huge issue. I, uh, but I, I've had interactions like when I, the two bears I took, both bears had to be checked in with the state. Like you have to show them, you have to bring them the skull and, and ideally they pull a tooth to age it. Um, my interactions with law enforcement have always been good. Like they've been really good. And I've actually had a couple instances where I could have absolutely been ticketed for something. My first bear, I lost the tag. Wow. And so like I lost the tag, like just administratively, my paperwork was a mess and it was during COVID. So you had to make an appointment. And so when I made my appointment for the bear, I just said, Hey, here's the deal. Like, you know, there's nothing better than coming clean before they, before they discover the problem. So I just told them straight up, lost the tag. Here's the deal, blah, blah, blah. They were like, this is like, you're a grown ass adult, man. Like, how come you don't have this together? <laughs> um, but he did. He looked at, they said he looked that at my you? history. I mean, you're pretty yeah. organized. Like that's... Uh, no, but I didn't, but I wasn't on this. Like I, I, I was a mess. I, I didn't have the paperwork. I didn't have the tag. Um, I, I had bought a duplicate tag between the time I killed the bear and, but it was a duplicate and they see the history, like it's all on the computer. They can see, yes, he bought a tag. Um, they also can see that he's bought, you know, four hunting licenses four years in a row and never, never killed any, never successfully harvested anything. And so they cut me a lot of new, you know, you're, you're the newbie, they cut me a lot of slack as a newbie. Um, but I guess that's an example of where with hunting, I absolutely view like the law enforcement side of it. The C everything the CDFW does, they're only executing the plan that they're given. They're given the regulations they're from the commission or the state legislature. They're given the laws. They're given the resources. Like they're only doing what they can execute on with resources and guardrails that they're given. I've always had good inter interactions with with everybody at the CDFW. Um, they take a lot of flack as you know as the ones dispensing good or bad policy that they didn't make up and so they take a lot of flack for for all kinds of stuff but my interactions with them have been good yeah 
Um, and then my last question is, are mm -hmm. there restrictions as far as what sort of weapons you can use? Like, can you take, can you use automatic weapons to <laughs> kill? There are. Man, I have no idea. Like, Yeah, no, there's there's method of take restrictions. You know, archery season is, uh, there's rules around the bow. Um, can't use a crossbow. Crossbows are, are considered, uh, it's not a firearm, but it's, you can't, crossbows are not considered archery unless you're, unless you have a, like a disabled permit or something. Like if you have a shoulder injury that makes it so you can't do archery, you can get a doctor to sign something that says, okay, it makes crossbows allowed. So there's method of take restrictions um, within each class. And then there are, um, there are like shotgun, waterfowl. You're only, I think you're only allowed to have three, three shells in the gun. So say you have a pump shotgun, the magazine could hold five shells. You're supposed to have two, a plug in there that makes it so you can only hold three. So there are, um, there are restrictions within that, but like semi, you know, what type of uh, center fire, like deer has to be a center fire uh, cartridge, meaning rim fire would be like a 22 long rifle, very small little plinking, um, cartridge you could have a 22 caliber center fire but that's gonna be a much more high powered 22 20 uh 22 and so there are restrictions on what type of firearm especially on caliber and power because they don't want you to be underpowered even with archery there's just there's a minimum uh pull weight on the on the bow they don't want you out there underpowered with something that's basically just going to wound animals yeah. like if what you have is not capable of killing an animal humanely and, and quickly, then it's usually not going to be allowed. Um, public land, national forest, if you want to carry a weapon, like open carry a handgun, you can. And so like, you know, even with, so like you can hunt, like people go scouting during the summer without a hunting light. Well, they have their hunting license usually with them because it's always coyote season. Um, <laughs> but do, what do people do with coyotes? I mean, you're not taking the meat, are you? Or no, you, what, coyotes, you're not taking the meat. In the winter, um, the hide can be useful. There's no, there's no market legally in California now for for fur that's been harvested, even legally. Um, and so it would be something like if you wanted like a really nice coyote pelt right now. You know, it's free. It's wicked cold. You go up in the mountains. Coyote pelt's going to be beautiful right now. Um, but you have to do all the work yourself or pay somebody to tan it and do all the work yourself. Um, so we could really rabbit hole on this. Um, the North American conservation model basically focuses on two reasons to kill an animal. And one is purpose. There has to be a purpose to it. And the other is consumptive harvest where you're going to eat it. Um, most, you know, non-hunters usually when they're surveyed, do you support hunting? For meat, yes, of course I do, and that's why the anti's have have you know come up with this trophy thing. Well, do you support trophy hunting? No, no, I don't, because that means because they've they've created this this divide where a trophy hunt isn't for the meat, which is baloney because any trophy animal is going to be the biggest one out there, also usually, right. and the biggest one out there is going to have three times as much meat on it as you know some you know two year old animal, and so. That's where they've really contorted the language. But for purpose, so the purpose of like a coyote hunting would be wildlife management. You want more ground nesting birds. You want to take an animal off the landscape that's going to kill 10 fawns. 
um, you're doing, you're take, you're removing a predator from the landscape at a time of year when there's other species that are going to be, would be the prey species for that predator. And by taking that one predator away, you're helping those other populations thrive. So and there's a those, ton. Yeah, so for those ahead. ones, you don't need a tag. Like, so if you were to like <clears throat> kill one, you just kind of leave it there. Is that what the. Yeah. People do different things. Coyote, coyote is not a game species. And so you don't need a tag. You do need a license. You need a hunting license to, to kill a coyote. Um, but you don't need a tag for it. And it's in every, and there's no season too. It's right. like, it's, it's always coyote season. People joke that, you know, uh, you could be deer hunting and when you see a coyote, you're now coyote hunting. Um, I've seen several coyotes again, like you get into like, what do most hunters focus on? Like most hunters, if they're deer hunting, they won't even interrupt for a bear. Like, and I think people are starting to turn around. They're starting to realize, like, I went home with an empty tag. I, I went home empty-handed because I passed on the bear, continued deer hunting, and then didn't see any deer. It's like, well, you could have taken the bear and have 100 pounds of meat. Yeah. And so people are starting to change their mindset. People are, are, are realizing that bear was actually a prized, like, meat in the city, you know, in the, in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Like, bear was... Bear was right up there with elk and deer um, or bison. And so anyways, kind of rabbit holing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Purpose or consumption or ideally both. Like yeah. ideally, you know, both can be attained. Yeah. In, could you in trophy kind of and take the meat? Like you you have, I mean, when I think of it's, trophy, I think of like the head severed up on a wall. But if you're eating the meat as well, like. That's why they did that. That's yeah. that's why that's why they've done that. Um and now they've they tried to define the word trophy as far as like if you even take a picture of it. And I think the reason they don't want us taking pictures of animals is because they don't want us sharing the story. Like if I take a picture, oh now I'm now I'm a trophy hunter. Like that's nonsense. I took a picture. Like I take a picture of my food, take a picture of my kids. Like I'm not demeaning yeah. their value in my life um, by doing that. And so, but no, they very much have have positioned it like. If I say I'm against trophy hunting and then define all tro all hunting as trophy hunting, like we've we've contorted the language in such a way that now all hunting is bad. But really, trophy hunting, the tr the true trophy hunters, they're incredibly selective. They pass on things all the time. They pass on the 90 pound two year old buck. They pass on the the you know, they they're they're passing on animals to focus their time and energy on, on something that is, they're being selective, which means a lot of the time they're going home empty handed. So they're paying into the system, often buying multiple tags for multiple states because they're after something special that's unique to them and unique on the landscape. And then they're not taking something off the landscape. So they're paying into the system. They're passing on all these other animals that are young and immature, probably haven't hit their genetic potential and then like to me that's good like what if everybody was doing that what if it, you could have five times as many hunters out there if everybody was like just going after something special and passed on everything else because then you'd have they, they'd be intentionally not filling their tags yeah um but yeah they've definitely contorted the the language on that well, well, you have your message though too. You, <laughs> hunting is humane. Hunting is human. You know that's yeah. that's all. You know, I, I, but and you've, I think you've, you've demonstrated that's what you're doing. I mean, it's right. it's a and so I've 
you know, I've I've enjoyed just kind of watching cool. your 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 journey and and you know I, I'd like to support it however I I can. Right on. And um, how for but, wildlife? How for wildlife? <laughs> yeah. Rob, it is um, it's been good talking to you. Really appreciate your time on this. Uh, you have no you have no there's no, no no dog in the fight, and so I appreciate you giving me an hour and a half to talk about it and and share kind of your story of watching my story and how it's evolved and whatnot. I guess uh, probably pregame is it's coming on. There's a there's a big football game today that you're tuning into. I assume. I am. So <laughs> Go, we'll Niners. See you. Go Niners. Go Niners. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Enjoy the afternoon and um, let me know if any more of my uh, my unique phrases catch your attention <laughs> and they uh, they make you laugh a little bit. Oh, absolutely. And that's a wrap on the conversation with a non-hunter. Um couple of that I pull from it is that the non-hunter's perspective is important and if we are not intentionally putting our stories and our values out there for non-hunters to observe and learn from and even associate with or affiliate with and support then other entities with agendas will do that for us. So we've got to get our voice out there, get your story out there, share some game meat, share some stories of your hunting, share some stories of your failures in hunting and scouting. And let's show the world that it's actually, you know, intellectually, physically, mentally, emotionally, economically, and ecologically a good and healthy pursuit that is to be supported and absolutely not to be legislated against. So thanks for your time again, Rob. Thanks for listening to Hunting Ain't Easy. You can hit me up on uh, direct messages on Instagram. That's the best place to get a hold of me if you want to say something, ask something, or give me some feedback, which I always do welcome. And it is Hunting Ain't Easy on Instagram. And then, of course, head over to howforwildlife.com, correction, howforwildlife.org. And get involved with Hal for Wildlife. Spend three or four minutes today and take action on some items and issues that you find um, important to you. Uh, reach across state lines and re reach across species um, that you hunt to support some other hunters here in North America. And you'll find that your voice matters and your messages matter in those efforts. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time.